You have your Bible open up to Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter number 1 beginning in verse number 15. Verse number 15. This is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church at Ephesus. He says, Wherefore I also heard of your faith in the Lord and love of all the saints. Stop right there. The Apostle Paul heard about these people not because they were raising the dead... Not because whenever they got saved, halos magically appeared above their head, angel wings bounced out of their back and they began to soar around and everything was wonderful. The Bible says that the Apostle Paul, the man who wrote over half of the New Testament, the man who was uh, knocked off of his donkey, made blind by Jesus Christ himself, only to have the scales fall off of his eyes later, who was such a terrible person before that he was literally killing Christians before he got converted to Christ, the Apostle Paul, who you and I will see in heaven, who in the scripture calls the gospel his gospel. The Apostle Paul says, I, I understood you guys and I heard about you, not because of the miracles that you did, but because of your faith and because of your love. Your life as a Christian ought to shine two things, faith and love. Faith and love. You say, what does that look like? It looks like when the enemy comes in like a flood in your life, you're not the one losing it in the ditch. You're the one coming to church, lifting your hands anyway, because the same God who made a way before is going to make a way again. Faith and love. What does a Christian look like? A Christian looks like somebody comes to you with bad news and you have the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, what's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is whatever you need, that's who he is. Wherever you are in life, whether you find yourself living for God for 40 years straight without ever sinning one single time, like skip over there, or you find yourself like Matthew and you can't walk across the street without sinning, just kidding. But all through your life, you've got to recognize and you've got to understand that the position that you're in in God is predicated on two things, faith and love. Verse 16, this is is Paul talking. He says, uh, verse 15, he says, Wherefore I also, I've heard of your faith in the Lord, and and love unto all the saints. And I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, how many of you know if the Apostle Paul thought it was a good idea to pray for his church family, don't you think me and you should pray for our church family? You and me ought to give thanks for our church family. You and me ought to give thanks for our music leader. You and me ought to give thanks for our sound department. Come on, somebody. You and me ought to give thanks for the pastor, even if it's just because he's got such a nice wife. I don't know. But somebody ought to be thankful for something in the house of God because the apostle Paul was setting the example that says, I am remembering you guys when I pray and I'm giving thanks. And here's another interesting point. You will never curse what you pray for. I dare you to take a piece of paper, write it down and say, I will not let 8 o'clock in the morning go by without praying for my wife. I will not let 9 o'clock in the morning or whatever time's good for you. I will not let 10 o'clock in the morning that I will not pray for my wife. I dare you to set something, a reminder on the dashboard of your car where you say, when I get one block from my home, I'm going to stop and I'm going to give 30 seconds and I'm going to thank God for my family. I'm going to thank God that they're alive and breathing air and I'm going to pray for them, for God to bless them in every area of their life. Then walk in your home and tell me if you're frustrated with your children. 
If you can get to the point where you're willing to bless what God's entrusted you with, you'll see the blessings of God manifest in your life and in their life. The Apostle Paul was willing to remember Christians, was willing to remember his church family and lift them up. Verse number 17. Uh, 16, cease not to give thanks, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Christ. You and me, more than ever, need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom, what job am I going to take? Wisdom, where should I send my kids to school? Wisdom, should I use this babysitter? Wisdom, should I go to this movie? Wisdom, should I do this with my bank account? Wisdom, should I buy this car? Wisdom, should I fix this air conditioner or should I buy a new one? Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. You need wisdom all the days of your life. You need things that you understand. You need a position in God where God begins to give you revelation on different things in different areas so that whenever you have decision time, you understand that you are walking and moving in the spirit of wisdom and revelation and not on your own account because here's the scenario if it's all on your own account you're responsible for the results but if you say I'm giving this thing to God and I'm believing God that he's going to help me in this situation and I'm believing God that he's going to help me be wise in this situation now all of a sudden supernaturally and miraculously you've got the kingdom of heaven involved in your situation The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let's pray for our friends. Let's pray for our family that God would give us wisdom and revelation. Let's pray for ourselves that God would give us wisdom and revelation. Let's pray for every person that we know and care about, the people people who've gone away from God in our life, that wisdom and revelation would come true in their life would be a guiding light, would be something that directs them down the right path, that puts them in the right position and the right opportunity. I've got somebody that's very close to me that doesn't live for God the way I would prefer them to live for God. And I was sitting there the other day and I was praying for him and I was trying to figure out how I should pray for him. And I thought, you know, I've heard so many times, uh, you know, well, whatever it takes to bring them to their knees. And, you know, I guess I'm okay with that. I mean, I've read the whole Bible. I get it. Jonah had to get swallowed by a fish in order to turn around and go to Nineveh. And if that's the case, so be it. But what if God just wanted to open the windows of heaven and bless them so much that they couldn't even deal with the blessing and they had to say, God must love me so much that I can't even get away from him. Do you remember the prodigal son who found himself out here and he was sitting in a place, he said, I just got to get back to the kingdom. I just got to get back to my father's house. And as soon as he got back to the father's house, the father just said, I just want to bless you. My children, it's the same thing. When I look at them, I don't want them to uh, only know I'm their father because I let them get starving and dying in a ditch and then I pitch them a piece of bread so that they'll understand I'm dad. I want them to know that I love them all the time. I want them to know that I'm there for them all the time. So in your life, when you're lifting up those loved ones who you say, they're so far from God, I wish they'd just do this, I wish they'd just do that, let the blessings of God come on them and let the eyes of their understanding be open to see that it is God's hand and God's hand alone who blesses and doesn't cause sorrow. Amen? Clap for joy one time if you can. 
Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Verse 18, this is really where I wanted to go. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. That word enlightened is the same word that we get illuminate. It's the same word that we get to shed light on the subject. We would use it interchangeably that you might would uh, be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope, the anchor of our soul, so says Hebrews. What the hope of His calling is. The riches of the glory of His inheritance. Now listen to me. I know there's a lot of places that don't teach this because I guess they don't like this part of the Bible. But you and me have a great and a grand inheritance in heaven. The Bible said when Jesus left, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, in my father's house are many trailer parks. No. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. Heaven is described where they use gold like we use concrete. The Bible says he found pearls so big he made gates out of them. Everything about heaven is grand and glorious and you and me won't be sick up there. We won't be sad up there. None of those things are going to hold us down or hold us back. Our loved ones are going to be there. Come on, somebody. You'll know them like you'll know them, which means I'm going to walk up there. I'm going to say, hey, Papa, how y'all been doing? He's going to go, all me and Jesus been talking about all kind of stuff. It's going to be so good in heaven and this is the glory of your inheritance. Don't grow weary in well-doing because in due season you're going to reap. You may not get it on this side of glory, but bless God, when glory gets here, we're all going to get it. We're not living this thing kind of. We're not wondering the hope of our, the hope, the hope, the hope, the hope of His calling. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 6 that hope is the anchor for our soul. Which means it's the thing. Hope, expectation. Expectation that God is going to move is the anchor for our soul. Your soul, the Bible says, is your mind, your will. Meaning, meaning uh, you, you have the decision whether or not you're going to pray in the morning or not pray in the morning. You have the decision of whether you're going to uh, let somebody into traffic or flip them off and cut them off. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me like that. Your will, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Emotions are from God. Emotions are a good thing. But emotions sometimes will lie to you. You think, I'm, you think I'm wrong? Put two 16-year-old kids in a car and let them go on a date in the dark. Their emotions will lie to them. Period. Period. Your mind, your will, and your emotions, but expectation of what God is going to do in your life is the anchoring factor for your mind. That means when your mind is telling you, God, these bills just aren't adding up. I don't know what to do. But then you remember what the Bible says, that He supplies my needs according to His riches in glory. And you begin to put yourself, you put your faith under that word. Now you're expecting God to move and your mind is stayed by the anchor of your expectation. Amen. 
Everything about your life can be uh, fastened and held firm by hope and hope in God alone. There's nothing that changes about God. He's not a man like, like me and you. He doesn't sleep and uh, he doesn't slumber. He, he's not slow to react or slow to respond. But I'll tell you this, he's much more oven than he is microwave. We want to go and we want to hit the right button and say the right thing and we've got all 67 prophecy books that we've read on how to prophesy and where to get prophecy from and all these different things and we try to treat God like He's some kind of mythical code. He's not a mythical code. He's the God of heaven and earth who sent His Son to die for us. He's not a code. You you don't have to constantly uh, punch the right buttons. Now, don't get me wrong. There's ways that God's established different things, and we're not belittling any of that. But what I am telling you is the God of heaven and earth cares for you so deeply that He proved it with three nails. He's not down there trying to figure out, here's how you have to get a relationship with me. He's saying, I want a relationship with you. Go get him, Jesus. This is who He is to you. And to me. But hope, the hope of his calling, the expectation of him moving in our life is the stabilizing factor. And if you can't get excited about anything else, you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to be separated from God for all of eternity. In a place that was completely and totally built and maintained for none other than Lucifer and the angels that left with him. You don't have to go to that place. Jesus made a way where there was no way so that we could go to a place called heaven. Hope. The hope of heaven. The hope of glory anchors us and positions us in a strong way. Paul was praying that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. It's said that Paul spoke at least a half a dozen languages, had the first four books of the Old Testament memorized, was the Torah. He had it memorized. He could debate with anybody that had any idea about what they thought the Scripture said. He was the guy who could point them out. So when Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened, He wasn't praying like a man who didn't know. Because when he had it all figured out between his ears, he was missing it in his heart. He was missing the truth of who Jesus was. And he was trying to beat everybody over the head with the book instead of using the book as a life preserver and throwing it to them. You see, Paul was a man who when he encountered Jesus for the first time, he did lose his sight physically so that you and I could look at it And realize our lives, we don't see clearly. We need the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened or illuminated. Verse number 19. And what is the exceeding, somebody say exceeding. Greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Exceeding. Exceeding means more than necessary. 
That means that if you went to the gas station and you filled your car up with gasoline and you you got a car that holds 20 gallons so you put in $472 worth of gas and all of a sudden it gets there and it starts to click and then you just keep filling it up, filling it up and it's pouring all over the ground and it's running all over everywhere. Uh, I hope you don't smoke at that point. But either way, you're sitting there and you're just filling it up, filling it up. You have exceeded the capacity of the gas tank. God is filled with exceeding greatness and power. There is great uh, uh, intellectual benefit to the knowledge of the kingdom. There's great intellectual benefit to the knowledge of the Word of God. There's great intellectual benefit to the knowledge and the understanding of the Bible. But for whatever reason, in 2014, it has gotten to be... uh, uh, um, not as exciting or not as relevant or, or, or maybe not as uh, uh, easy to swallow because some of it can't be understood or, or, or something. But, but, but everybody wants to have the, the, the mental understanding of the Bible. But here's the scenario. You can't have the full mental understanding of the Bible without understanding the overwhelming and excessive power of God. You don't serve a dead God. I don't serve a dead God. I don't wake up in the morning and wonder, is he going to lose a battle today? He's not losing anything. He was and is and is to come. He is overwhelming in every way. If we wanted to describe him, we would want run out of words in every single language that has ever been or ever will be because his power is excessive, overwhelming, unquenchable, remarkable, life-changing, sickness-destroying. His power changes everything. You can have all the understanding between your ears. You can have the Bible memorized from Genesis to to Revelation. You can have the Bible uh, memorized and on every single app in your iPhone, iPod, computer, in your car, or anywhere else. You can get the Bible tattooed all over your body. And you can be so filled with the understanding of who He is, but never experience His power. His power is something that once you've touched it, you will spend the rest of your life trying to just get another hit. His power is so life-changing, it makes it where literally addictions crumble in your hands. You can't even take... Your taste buds change. Your lifestyle change. Your ideology changes. When you get touched with the power of God, you stop looking at women like they're some kind of object and you look at them as children of the Most High God. When the power of God touches your life, ma'am, you stop looking at your husband like a deadbeat and you start calling things that are not as though they were and you pray for him. Your life changes when the power of God comes in. Wisdom. He prayed, listen, I want your wisdom to be illuminated. What he said, guys, I pray the light comes on. Between your ears, I hope you understand the fact that you really will die. You really will go to hell. You really will spend eternity away from God. If your eyes don't open, if the light doesn't come on, if something doesn't change, this is going to happen. It's a cranial thing. It's a cerebral thing. It's an intellectual thing. Did anybody ever walk through their house like at night? 
and, and, and you got your lights off. So, so you're walking like this. And you're thinking, okay, couch here. And then you're spinning around the coffee table, you know. And then you get there and you, you, you get to a place. You know, it's a lot harder with the lights off. That same walk with the lights on. Because when the light comes on, when you are enlightened, your capability increases. Side note. The walking in the dark works when you don't have children. But you never know where they're going to put those toys, you know. And it's always a roller skate or a banana peel or a skateboard or whatever. The eyes of your understanding become enlightened. Become enlightened. God doesn't just want us to be informed of his wisdom. But he wants us remembering praise God and experiencing his power. The exceeding greatness of his power. Now, if you just hear that and you don't know who you are in Christ, that could be kind of a scary thing. If you've ever been painted the picture of God like he's Zeus with a lightning bolt that wants to throw it down at you, wash it out of your mind. Because when you said yes to Jesus, this book says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. That means when you go to the job interview, it's not just you. That means whenever the doctor gives you a bad report, it's not just you. I know we talked about it Sunday, but I think we ought to relish in some victories. Uh, Young Tanner Strange, listen to me, got hit by an 18-wheeler. And all he has is a broken nose. Sunday morning, listen, Sunday morning, we were supposed to be coming up here crying and praying and passing around the Kleenexes and remembering that weeping endures for a season, but joy comes in the morning. And we were supposed to say things like, God didn't kill Tanner, but we know that all things will work together for good somehow, meaning somebody will get saved at the funeral or whatever. That's what we were supposed to be doing. But the power, the exceeding, the overwhelming power of God made this past Sunday the greatest Father's Day that Richard Strange ever experienced. Because all of his children were alive. Everything about our life hangs on two things if you're a Christian. Faith and love. But the Apostle Paul says here that he's not looking just that we have 
our eyes enlightened and we become very intellectual, even though that's very important. I'm an overwhelming proponent of education. Uh, I constantly encourage you to read your scripture, be in the Word of God, become a student of the Word of God, change, uh, turn your, your, your vehicle into a Bible study, get some podcasts, be listening to the Word of God, be worshiping God. Uh, every chance you get the opportunity, just that kind of a lifestyle can change everything. But the reality is, is don't ever forget about the power of God. In John, I believe it's the fifth chapter, there's a, there's a, a place called uh, the Pool of Bethesda. And there's a guy there, and the Bible says that he'd been lame, he'd been crippled for 38 years. 38 years. And so he was waiting next to this pool because uh, the Bible says that at a certain time that an angel would come down and trouble the waters and the first person that got thrown in, they got thrown in the water, the Bible says that they would be miraculously healed like that. So here's the scenario. He had a complete understanding of what took place. If he didn't understand, he wouldn't be there. If he didn't believe it, he wouldn't be there. So he believed it, so his eyes were enlightened. He understood. He wanted to be there. He believed God would do these things. He believed the promise. And for 38 years, he sat there, waiting for his miracle and waiting for his opportunity. He knew the angel was going to come one day. But he didn't just need the wisdom. He needed the exceeding greatness of his power. And the Bible says that Jesus walks up. And Jesus had been there several times. Been in the area several times. But he walks up that day. And he says to the guy, he said, Would you like to be healed today? And the guy goes, Well, I know all about the angel. I know all about how the water gets troubled. I know everything I need to know. I've got it all together up here. And Jesus said, I'm not talking about that. I'm glad that you believe. But I'm talking about exceeding power. See, in your life and in my life, it's hard to remember this sometimes, but it's worth it. You are just as close to a miracle as you are to a catastrophe. The question is, how much time do you spend thinking and worrying about the catastrophe instead of expecting the miracle? You see, hope or expectation is the word that we would typically use. Expectation is the anchor to our soul. So instead of spending our days and our nights and our time worrying about the catastrophe... Statistics show that over 90% of what you fear will never, ever, ever happen to you. But either way, the man was sitting there. He could have just as easily got mugged that day. He was crippled. What was he going to do? He could have just as easily uh, get caught in a rainstorm. Any kind of catastrophe could have happened because he's crippled. But in an instant, in a moment, in a breath, in a whisper... In a song, in a sermon, in a moment where it's just you and God in your car, everything changed. You see, your life 
is filled with opportunity constantly. And we have to understand that your perception, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so it is with that man. What that means is what you believe is like, it's like magnetism to what you will experience. Why did the Bible say that Jesus sought out a certain man by the pool? Because he was there believing. Now in your life and in my life, can we please... And I don't care if it's old-fashioned. Stop believing God to just be an intellectual wonder. If you believe God is just an intellectual wonder, guess what? Most of the time, that's all you're going to get. You'll be able to memorize this and understand and all that's good I'm for it matter of fact I work constantly and tirelessly in the word of God trying to get scripture inside of me memorized so in the right season the right time out of my belly can flow rivers of living water all the time working on it all the time but listen the power of God is exceeding the power of God is excessive And the power of God is still available in 2014. Amen. Stand to your feet. I'm done teaching. Everybody would bow your head and close your eyes, please. Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info.